Hello, horror fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Whoa! The Horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, subscribe, follow... I don't know, do the Macarena to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. <laughs> Nobody's done the Macarena. <laughs> Not in deuce decades. <laughs> you can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And we would also mi- wouldn't mind at all if you checked out our website, ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Yeah. You, you can find out our, our link to our Facebook group, our Instagram account. We took all account. the time making it. <laughs> Technically, no. It was a template. But, oh, yeah. there you go. There Revealing all the secrets. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, we got our whole catalog there. We do. Yeah. We do, all we do, jazz. we do. So, here we are. It's been a bit. It, for us. For us, yes. Yeah. Episode 89. Cursed movies. I know. I'm super excited about yeah. this one. Before we hop into it, though, we went to the Horror Fest. Sci-Fi Horror Con at uh, Vernon Downs. Yeah. Good time. And they're doing it again next year. They are. They've already booked their, their slot. Yep. I think we're gonna do I think we're gonna do a booth there. That'd be cool. Yep. I yep. had a good time. I would have liked to have spent the whole day as a a, a vendor booth person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get to I'd see like more to be people. A booth person. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun walking around. It was, yeah. Seeing like minded folks. Yes. We got a couple of shout outs we're gonna do here. I got their uh their propaganda in front of me. Nice. Yeah. That's uh, how you do it. So yeah, this is all local stuff in our area, central New York. So, you know, for those of you in um out of towners. Those of you in Bangladesh, I'm sorry to our Bangladesh listeners. However, we'll go to these and we'll uh, we'll tell you all about them. I was thinking maybe even doing like some just little kind of video, yeah, selfie type things. Put them on, uh, put them on our, put them on the gram. Our social presence. I'll put them on the gram instead of <laughs> instead of just announcing the episode every week. I I think that's a, a thing I'm gonna do next year is commit more to that. Should I get Instagram you know? and then well, I no, could... I could just give you access to our account. Oh, okay, It'd yeah, be easier that way. Yeah, it would. Yeah. So there's Wood Creek Hollow. Yes. Five Years of Fears. It's their fifth year. Yep. Haunts Return. It's uh, going to begin Saturday, September 17th. Mm-hmm. Fridays and Saturdays till Halloween. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice haunt walk. Yes. You know, and uh, they were super, super nice. Uh, the address is 3851 Wood Creek Road in Rome, New York. Yep. Details online about special nights, and they also include a college-only event. Yes. You can find them on Facebook. Yep. And, uh, yeah, good bunch. So we're going to keep promoing them out yes. throughout the season here and there. Mm-hmm. There's the Cayo, C-A-Y-O, Warehouse of Horror. Yes. They were a good bunch. They do they were fun. really good yep. haunted houses. So this is Central New York's intense indoor Halloween attraction. 20 years. Yes. And they're at 530 Harbor Way in Rome. Okay. September 30th and then October 
one through second, seventh through ninth, basically the weekends. Yep. Six thirty till ten thirty PM. We're gonna put screenshots of these on our Facebook page. Okay. So you don't have to sit here and write this stuff down or be like, whatever, Frank, just shut up. Move but their along. admission price is gonna be uh it's a twenty uh twentieth year special for twenty dollars. All tickets are sold at attraction. Yep. And you can see them also on Facebook, the Graham. Uh, they also are uh, Twitter, but I or I think yeah, Instagram at Ko Industrial, and they have a website koindustrial.com. C A Y O guys. C A Y O. Yep. And like I said, we'll post it on the uh, on the on the uh, social. Fun fact. We haven't done this in a while, so I'm going to trip over my words a bit, but. The very first haunted house I went to was a KO haunted house mm. at the Herkimer Jail. Got you. But just so people know about with these, uh, they do kind of the elements of like biotech, Revelation, Arcana Asylum, Biowar, all in like this big labyrinth. And uh, it's a walkthrough haunted house style attraction geared for adults. Yep. Just so you're yeah. aware of that. It's definitely not kid friendly. Mm -hmm. And they have free parking. Next up for biz. We got. I got Walk of the Dead. Prepare yourself for the scariest half mile of your life. Every Friday and Saturday night for the entire month of October. Got it. It's at the uh, Syracuse Kickball Park. Uh, that's 7192 Oswego Road in Liverpool, New York. And you can find more information about them at www. SyracuseWOTD.com. And the last, folks. Yep. Old Patrick's brother at Agent Paranormal. Yep. Awesome bunch. We sat and talked shop with them for a while about yep. cool haunts and mm -hmm. all of that juicy stuff. Uh, if you're in it around here, you've probably heard of Agent Paranormal. But if not, go to agentparanormal.org. Uh, and they're a ghost hunting group. They are private home investigations, historic mm -hmm. fundraiser lectures and investigations, lectures and group investigations, and they do paranormal parties and more. Oh. They're well, a great bunch. There you go. They I are. They were a great highly bunch. Highly recommend them. And I work with his brother, and, um, you know, they're just all a good bunch, really, over there. Truly are. Agentparanormal.org, and they have a Facebook and Instagram presence Mm -hmm. uh, Instagram is at Agent Paranormal. Mm -hmm. So it was a great time. It We're was. definitely going to get a booth next year. Okay. And uh, we'll have some swag. Yeah. For people to collect. Yeah. Grab so they can spread our propaganda all over the exactly. place. Exactly. But yeah, we'll post all this on the, uh, on, on the group. And uh, we'll also promote them up uh, as the months come, as the time it, comes yeah. through, you know, and. If you're looking for things to do in the central New York area, you can check these guys out. Yes. And if you know of anyone else, please email us at OTH at seriously dot com. Mm -hmm. This is the next thing I'm bringing to business before we get into the curse movies here. But as we started the Facebook group, we didn't really know how this was all going to work out. Mm -hmm. We didn't know how much attention we'd get to things. And right, yes. So what we get on occasion, and I didn't put any rules on the Facebook group. It's pretty wide open. Mm -hmm. I figure let's just trust everybody, mm -hmm. see if they can do the right thing. But uh, the self-promotion thing started coming out of hand. 
Yeah. You know, so what you don't know in the group is, is whenever there's a comment or a posting that comes up, Jen and I have to approve it. Right. So the self-promotion ones we've been ditching. However, there was the reason we were ditching them is because they come to the group and they wouldn't contribute anything at all, Mm -hmm. but want to push their stuff, their podcast, their show, whatever on there. I'm not really cool about that. No, you're now there was an uncomfortable situation, but just now where it's the first time it happened. So I don't want this person to take it personal, Mm -hmm. but he was participating in the group. Yep. Liking things, Mm -hmm. contributing, getting into comments, but then sent something through just to post it on. Mm -hmm. So I created the rules of the house now. So it's in there, but I also messaged that person directly Oh, and said, please send us your stuff. Directly, Directly yes. to us at OTH at SeriouslyDecent.com. And it's just to root all this to make it easier for us. Right. Because we don't have a press person. No. We don't have a audio engineer. No. We don't have all that stuff. It's, well, we do. It's, yeah. It's you. It's me. Yes. That's the whole yeah. deal. So I have to root it around, and it's just fair for everyone. Yeah. Plus, we want to just check things out before. So yeah. these these names I rattled off, we met these people and we, we spoke did. to them. We did. And we, you know, just felt very comfortable around them and there a lot yes. of them are reputable places. We chitty chatted. Yeah. And and that's the thing is if you want to promote a podcast, we have no problem promoting it. Mm-hmm. We have no problem sharing it on our group. No. But I want to listen to it first. Yeah. You know, we we want to know the nuts and bolts. Yeah, cuz we don't want you to destroy all of our hard work. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what it boils okay, down to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So with that being said, uh, yeah, I don't want to poo-poo on the whole promotion thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm all but about let us promote. You. Yeah, I'm all about yeah. spreading the love. But I want oh the whore to promote you, and mm-hmm. not you promote yourself through oh the whore. Right. And I never thought I'd have to say that, but people just don't. Yeah. Get that whole respect mm-hmm. thing, and this yeah. is where I might backhand slap some people, and I'm sorry. But it's just manners. Yes. It really is. It's manners. You're coming into our group mm-hmm. and you're thinking you can just plop your stuff off without asking. Mm-hmm. And it's rude. I'm sorry. I, I don't know any other way to put it. Yeah. And so, to the you one people. Oh, you one. Forget it. Ugh. I hope every group just ban. you know, but that's what they do. They there's flood a, all that stuff. There's through. a special ring in hell for you. Yeah. You one people. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, they're not listening because they're just doing what they do. And I get promoting. I really do. Yeah. I get the, the deal with it. But I always was, hey, can you push our stuff? Yeah. You know, yep. I, I like the I, I the way the rule was worded was um, give more than you receive out of the group. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, give good advice, give this, give that, but don't. I'm giving all of you great fall recipes. And to that, I say you're welcome. The fall recipes have been uh, some chatter. It's, uh, They're getting a lot of attention. Yeah. Some good, some bad. Yeah, I'm going to have to. I'm being blamed for others uh, going to be a pumpkin. Yeah. I think that's on them. Yeah. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely uh, I'm going to have to join a gym or something because... They're so good. Yeah, and they look cool. They do. I think that's what's cool about Halloween, like, uh, desserts and meals and stuff like that. Because you think about it. Like, Christmas things come through, but a lot of them are, like, those wholesome holiday, like, just real 
like family structured like old recipes. You know, like this is like Mima's family's old cookie, de- recipe cookie recipe, or whatever. And, and it's yep. like a sugar cookie recipe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, granted, the cookies got the trees and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but it's like happy little Christmas stuff. Where Halloween is awesome. You get yeah. like the eyeballs. You get the spiders. Do you want you- a hot dog that's shaped like a finger? And it's <laughs> awesome. You know, I mean, it's just like. I'm glad we were talking about this earlier today because we went to at home. We went to Hobby Lobby. We We went to Michael's. Guys, Halloween is out in full force. It Uh, is here. A lot of times it's competing with uh, Christmas. Yeah. But at home has has a lot. I was surprised at what at home had. I was not. Now. Yes. No, I'm saying now. Yeah. They do. Two weeks from now, three weeks from now, I would have expected that but it seems like two to three weeks from now what they have will be pretty picked over and gone no that's that's what i'm saying it seems like every year now it's like one week a little sooner yeah and i think the economy has a little bit to do with that now i think they're just like pushing stuff out because they want money they start with their stuff on the aisles yeah like where they do their seasonal stuff Mm mm-hmm and then once it gets closer, they move it to the big displays. And that's where we're at now is yeah. they've got m- most all of the Halloween in the big center displays. And if you're a person who loves the blown glass pumpkins. Ooh, at home with that. At doubt. home has the biggest variety and their price is the same as most of the other places. Yeah, they had a huge variety. They had a huge yeah. selection. Pretty much pumpkins that have never been that color are that color there. Yeah. Yeah. So cursed movies. I'm so excited for this one. Episode 89. And uh, before we get into sources, uh, Mm -hmm. we'll just, I figured I'd give a, a brief little description of what a cursed movie is. You know, some movies have a reputation for tragedy. Yes. That they're frequently linked to a curse story. Sometimes mm-hmm. the movies are the curse themselves. Mm-hmm. Yet other productions are beset by chaos and difficulty, but never acquire the curse title. Yes. A few curse movies also seem to contain elements of a haunting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. basically it's this hodgepodge of either they're doing a haunted There's story and a, it follows them. Yep. They're at a site. Or there's a ton of tragedy that follows massive tragedy. Either yeah. the filming, mm-hmm. the post production, yep, and or cast members. Like any of those three things can happen, or and, all at and once. Some of them, it's all of those things. Yeah. So, like I said, super excited for this. I cannot even begin to tell you how excited. Well, let's get into it. All right. I have two sources, Mm -hmm. SlashFilm.com, horror movies that were cursed in real life, and The Wrap. Okay. 13 cursed movies. I got the SlashFilm.1. I got a a MentalFloss.com article, a Nerdly uh, article, uh, uh, How Stuff Works. Okay. And uh, some little things here and there, but... Where do you want to start with this? I have six pages, so yeah. why don't we? Why I have don't we? Four. Why don't we jump? In, well, <laughs> jump in. So just jump in and we'll, All right. we'll get on this. I like how you're back to your four and not twenty-four that you had for Albert <laughs> Fish. <God. laughs> 
I get I got carried away with that. You did. Fish, you did. So I guess I guess we're doing follow ups. <laughs> Horror films make for particularly tortured productions, just given the yeah the genre. The that's where I wonder: the is it the genre, or is it, you know, do all movies like I'm not a Hollywood but person? But here's the person. thing: they have a higher odd of either spooking out the cast and crew yeah, and then ultimately audiences. Because I mean, you know, a lot of times in order to get that, that perfect shock and awe, Mm. they don't prepare the actors for what they're going to see. So that sheer panic and what the fuck is, is accurate. Mm -hmm, And they mm -hmm. do that on, on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So the late 60s and 70s were a particularly ripe time for unsettled on and off camera movies like yeah. Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, The Omen. And fun fact, they were all released within 10 years of each other and remain some of the best regarded horror films of all time. And it was actually The Exorcist that triggered this being an episode because I remember hearing when the movie came out mm-hmm. that that movie was cursed. And then you would hear from someone else. Well, not only is that one cursed, but what about Rosemary's baby? Rosemary's baby. Rosemary babies is like the, uh, like the, the OG, the OG of all yep. this. And then it was also the omen, all of which I've seen. So now my, my browser links aren't coming up. Okay. Or some of them are. Well, in addition, many of the films are allegedly based on true and disturbing stories, such as The Exorcist is inspired by one of the Catholic Church's few confirmed exorcisms to The Conjuring, which embellishes embellishes the experiences of real-life paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, our favorites. Mm -hmm. It's no wonder that there's this dark energy that follows. Whether you believe in the supernatural or not, it's hard to argue the following sets weren't cursed. At the very least, the people involved left with a few scary stories to share. Um, There are stories about real-life deaths and other tragedies following. Mm-hmm. So, Rosemary's Baby, based on the novel written by Ira Levin, released in 1968, was an extremely successful film. It, um, film. it was Roman Polanski's American debut and established him as one of the most distinctive film- filmmakers at the time, as well as cementing Mia Farrow's status as a movie star. It was also plagued by deaths among the cast and crew who died in strange and tragic ways. At a party, the film's composer, Christoph Kometa, fell off a rocky slope and into a coma that he never recovered from, similar to the actions that the witches take in the novel to get rid of Rosemary's friend. Then there's also the story of Sharon Tate, Roman Polanski's wife. Reportedly, Tate auditioned repeatedly for the role of Rosemary, which ended up going to Mia Farrow. Yeah. She makes a background appearance in one of the film's scenes. While the film was still in theaters, Tate was killed in her home by the followers of Charles Manson, and at the time she was pregnant. All of these events stoked the fear and the interest of the public, giving the film a bump um, in popularity and giving it an infamous reputation. 
Levin himself said that he had mixed feelings about the film, claiming that while it gave him access to exclusive literary circles, it also helped popularize the occult and Satanism, which was prevalent during that time period. Perhaps because of um, being Catholic, The Exorcist is the most infamous movie um, that also it's revered in horror films. It's one that you can't help but admire. It was shocking at the time that it came out. It was groundbreaking in that it was so scary. Here's the thing that makes The Exorcist amazing. Okay. Is you could take somebody and watch that now. Yes. And it'll scare the living crap out of them. And it was just, you know, and that was 1973 they did that. And And the thing is, is like, the effects weren't that much other than no. the actual, like, the spinning of the head. Yeah. The spitting of the pea soup and all that and type of stuff. Linda and Linda Blair crawling up the wall. Crawling up the wall. There yeah. was those few moments of that. But there was just, like, the, the film had this energy to it. That's, there like, so hard to capture. Darkness. Yeah, it's yeah. so hard to capture in a story. And, like, that story, that movie is just brilliant in that there's just this eerie energy of it Mm -hmm. and i think what's amazing with the exorcist is the first one unfreaking believable Mm -hmm. the second one pure freaking garbage yes the third one in my opinion is the best of all of them out of all of them because again just that energy that Mm -hmm. was in the film like right from the beginning i know i watched them all but nothing struck the chord in me as much as the first one. Got you. That one scared the life out of me. And for months after watching it, I would pray every night that I would not become possessed. Yeah. Well, and the thing with the third one was you had Jason Miller, who was the priest. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's still alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's possessed mm-hmm. because he got tossed out the window. Yep. He jumped out the window because he was possessed. He tried to kill himself, mm-hmm. and it just never happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and George C. Scott is in that as the cop. Yeah. And like he plays that cop like perfectly. Yeah. And it just has that like I'm a huge fan of those nice like I usually like a fast moving movie, mm-hmm. but The Exorcist Three is that brilliance of a slow crawler. Yeah. That just like slow burn. inches up like mm-hmm. here and there, here and there. And it just a little development here, a little development there. Yeah. And uh, and by the end of it, you're just like, what? And there's some scenes that just are insane. Just little kind of flash scenes that yep. get the hair crawling. Uh, the hair is up on my arm right now just talking about <laughs> it. But the first exorcist was just like, holy it shit. It was. So as you said, it was released in 1973. It sparked theater walkouts, made people pass out mid-screening, and in what has to be the best marketing strategy on the planet, theater attendants handed out barf bags to audience members. The Exorcist is a terrifying film following Regan, Linda Blair, and her mother, Ellen Burstyn, who, after witnessing some strange behavior from her daughter, seeks medical help only to find her way to a priest who's the only one who can help the possessed girl. The Exorcist 
set was plagued with injuries, including one that affected Linda Blair. The injury occurred in a scene during which Regan is in the throes of her demonic possession. Blair thrashed around with the help of a rig that kept her tied to the moving bed. In one of the takes, the lacing came undone. I'm crying. I'm screaming. They think I'm acting up a storm. It fractured my lower spine. No, they didn't send me to the doctor. It's the footage that's in the movie, explained Blair in an episode of the documentary Cursed Films. Aside from injuries, there was also a fire that burned the majority of the set, but that mysteriously left Regan's bedroom Untouched. untouched. Yeah. Things didn't stop once the film debuted either. One audience member sued Warner Brothers after he passed out during a screening, fell out of his chair, and broke his jaw. So... Let's get to the omen. It's the story that expounds on the lies of a father, taking them in terrifying directions. Following a traumatic stillbirth, Robert Thorne, played by Gregory Peck, takes a child from the hospital ward and hands it to his wife, pretending that he is their son. As luck would have it, the child turns out to be the Antichrist. Good luck. Released in 1976, the film tapped into the success of The Exorcist, another film, tragic, Catholic fears, making the production spooky. Like, they're saying, this is the same. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You'd think they did it on the same sound. They did it on the same uh, soundstage or or production lot. Yeah. I don't know that they did. So production on The Omen was controversial from the get-go. Executive Bob Munger, who pitched the original story, warned the producer about the dangers of making a film like this. Quote, if the devil's greatest single weapon is to be invisible and you're going to do something which is going to take away his invisibility to millions of people, he's not going to want that to happen, end quote, he said. During production, tragedy struck. Lead actor Gregory Peck's son died by suicide. That was before even the movie, like the filming began. Mm -hmm. And his plane was struck by lightning when he was flying to London for the role. Mark Neufeld, one of the film's executives, also said his plane was struck by lightning when flying from L.A. It didn't say where to. Yeah, it's the producer's plane. Yep. Stories like this continued to plague the production, resulting in the death of an animal trainer on set and a special effect artist involved in a fatal car crash that recalled the fatality he created for the film. Per local reports, a sign on the site of the accident read, Omen, 666.6 kilometers. As we leave behind the horror films of the 70s, we get to... There's more with the Omen. Oh, you got more with the Uh, Omen? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Omen, they say, is one of the most cursed cursed, movies ever made. Mm -hmm. So you had Gregory Peck's son committed suicide before the movie. Plane was struck by lightning, Peck's was. Producer's plane was as well. The London Hotel, where that same producer and others were staying, was bombed by the Irish Republican Army, the IRA. <laughs> oh, it gets better. Wait, there's more. A planned incursion, uh, excursion by some cast and crew to a restaurant was canceled when the restaurant was also bombed. Nice. A plan to hire a private jet for some aerial footage was postponed so a group of business people could use the jet, which crashed on takeoff. So in this case, the curse apparently saved some of the members of the crew. Right. 
And then wow. uh, a worker at an animal uh, sanctuary where the film was killed, uh, or was filmed, was killed by a tiger. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the capstone to the curse was the crash uh, involving John Richardson, who had uh, designed the special effects for the omen. Many of them were just massively gruesome. Uh, he was in Holland a few months uh, later working on a bridge too far mm-hmm. when his car was on a head, uh, head-on crash. He was injured, and uh, his assistant, Liz Moore, was killed by decapitation. Jeez. Richardson claimed that he awoke to see a road sign in his view showing the distance, uh, distance to the next town on the road, and it happened to be the Dutch town of Omen, yeah, O-M-M-M-E-N, yeah. like you were saying, and 66.6 kilometers. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's just shit going on the whole time. So <laughs> do you remember the buzz around Poltergeist when that came oh, out in 1982? Yeah, definitely. So this follows the Freelings as they battle a haunting after their youngest daughter is abducted by spirits who communicated with her through the family's TV set. The Poltergeist curse is one of the most famous in movie history, spawning both e-Hollywood specials and an episode documentary series, Cursed Films. Among the tragedies that surround Poltergeist, the most striking is the high number of deaths associated with the film and its sequels. Four cast members died during or after working on Poltergeist, the movie. Heather O'Rourke, the little girl who served as the face of the series. Yeah. Dominique Dunn, Julian Beck, and Will Sampson. Other creepy things happened on set, including a rumor that real human skeletons were used for the iconic pool scene. You know what's funny about that? Okay. Is that the whole lesson of Poltergeist Mm -hmm. in the movie Mm -hmm. is that you should leave dead people alone. Yeah. That's the whole point of Poltergeist the movie. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg uses real skeletons. Yeah. In that scene with Joe Beth Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like crazy stuff that they used to do back then that you could never get away with you now. You can't do that now. And they all found out afterward that they were real to make them look realistic, you know? Yeah. Well, so they, I mean, they were realistic. <laughs> yeah. That's why I got to laugh at the wording on we're that. We're just meat suits, guys. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, you take the meat suit off. We're just meat drapes on a skeleton. That's what we are. <laughs> And an exorcism was conducted on set after shooting Wrapped. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> so one of the most horrible tragedies in, in uh, Hollywood history occurred when shooting the movie adaptation of The Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone's fucked up. Yeah. When Vic Morrow was killed alongside two child actors in a horrific and arguably preventable accident. The Twilight Zone featured four stories, each one adapted by different by a different director. Steven Spielberg, Joe Dante, George Miller, and John Landis. For the scene that resulted in the deaths of the actors, Landis was shooting a big set piece with a lot of explosions. Reportedly, Landis's attitude on set was dictatorial and scared some of the crew members into silence when conducting the stunts. In the film, a racist played by Morrow travels through time and must rescue two Vietnamese children from an American raid. In the midst of the mayhem, the pilot handling the helicopter on set lost control of the aircraft, killing the three actors, forever changing Landis's career and sparking a a variety of civil suits against the studio and the director. 
with with the while the tragedy remains as one of the great Hollywood horror stories, it did force the film industry to place more importance on safety on the film sets, leading to the creation of risk management jobs and the new rules for the use of gunfire, planes, pyrotechnics, and more. So. I mean, yeah, this is these were like the groundbreaking movies that were like, maybe we should have a risk coordinator on set. Maybe we should have somebody that'll just sit here and say, you know what? That's not a good idea, Maybe Steven. Maybe we should have OSHA. Hey, Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I, I like your idea and all. It's, it's got vision, but... So about the real skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go in another direction. We're going to go in a different direction because they're people. It's not this cursing. Did, did those skeletons get un, union benefits? You know, you wonder? hundred percent they did not. Yeah? No. I mean, they're real people, right? They are real people, but were. here's the thing. Yeah. Like, you don't get, you don't max out on the amount of money that you make in a movie unless you you actually speak. And they didn't speak. How evil people are today, I bet if someone did that, someone would figure out who the skeleton was. Yes. And the family would demand payment. Yes. You know, some... Where's my royalty? Where's my royalty? Because my dead uncle is in your movie. That was my papa. <laughs> and next to papa was Mima. Yeah. Where's our money? Hey, where's my money check? Exactly. Oh, God. So these cursed movies, it's not just horror. No. So, let's talk about The Crow. Yeah. It's a macabre gothic superhero movie that's heavily influenced by horror classics. Great movie. It's one of the most tragic Hollywood productions to date, directed by Alex Proyas and released in 1994. The Crow is a comic book adaptation starring, excuse me, Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee's son, as Eric Draven, a man who is murdered alongside his fiance by a group of gang members right before Halloween. Sometime later, a crow with mystical powers brings Eric back from the dead, setting the stage for his revenge against those who murdered him. It's actually a really cool concept. And the movie is great. It, it is good. It's an it amazing movie. It is very movie. good. The crow had a slow and rocky production, according to Cursed Films, during pre-production, a mysterious figure called the offices and left a voicemail asking production to stop. This was followed by multiple tragedies. An electrician was badly burned. Others were injured. Then Lee died as the film um, was finishing filming, shot by accident when a prop gun malfunctioned. Since the film was late in production, the person responsible for handling weapons safety wasn't around to supervise the scene and wasn't able to ensure that all all props were safe to use. Lee's scenes were completed by using a mixture of body doubles and then revolutionary CGI. But the film kept that charged and sad legacy, which has become impossible to separate from the story itself. Well, and it's it's tough because, like, I remember watching that movie. And, and hearing all that, because I was, I'm still a huge Bruce Lee fan. Mm -hmm. And the weird coincidence and all that is Bruce Lee's actual last film, Game of Death. Mm -hmm. His character receives that gunshot wound during the filming of a movie within a movie. 
Right. Like it's this bit, yeah. but he's like running. It's like the same type of scene and yep. like the same idea of it. And this kind of adds to this, like the Lee family curse, curse. Yep. you know, where if you're not a huge, big Bruce Lee fan, Bruce Lee was, went against all of China, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause there was the whole Japan versus China yes. as far as movies and China was the weak man of Asia type thing. Right. And, and, you know, like you hear that in the movies, that was a real deal in real life. That's mm-hmm. how it was perceived as. And Bruce Lee becomes this massive figure mm-hmm. and not just Kung Fu, but movies as well. Yeah. And China's trying to hold him back, but also all the these old Kung Fu artists were yeah. holding them back. It's a phenomenal story of Bruce Lee, of somebody yeah. that literally went against everything mm-hmm. and and won. Mm-hmm. Um cost him his life to a certain degree. Right. Yes. But uh but then to watch this whole thing with his son play out just like one of his movies and you start getting into that yep. rabbit hole of conspiracy theory with the Lee family. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to another movie. Released in 2005, The Exorcism of Emily Rose is an interesting hybrid, part horror film, part legal drama, resulting in something that stands out amid that exorcism subgenre, Yeah, which relies on primarily jump scares and spooky face contortions. Yeah. Loosely based on a true story, The Exorcism of Emily Rose follows Aaron, Laura Linney, an agnostic lawyer tasked with defending a priest who's been accused of homicide after conducting an exorcism that resulted in the death of Emily Rose. The film follows two separate storylines, the present, which involves the legal legal drama, and the past, which depicts the exorcism in question and features Jennifer Carpenter's captivating performance. She's the one on uh, Dexter, right? Yep. She's the one who dated the ex, the ice. Box killer. Yeah, we're not going to get into that. According to we're Carpenter, we're going to leave everybody out of the conversation. Her radio would turn on at random times during the middle of the night while she was shooting the film. The director, Scott Derrickson, confirmed this rumor and said that this was also occurring to Linny. This is true. Also, Laura Linney's radio turned on at night three times during the production. End quote. Yeah. So let's move ahead. Ty West was one of the horror auteurs of the aughts, making a string of scary, gory, and fun movies that opened the genre up to people who wouldn't usually watch horror. The Innkeepers, released in 2011, tells the story of two hotel workers in New England who, when looking into stories of hauntings, awaken a dangerous presence. Interestingly... West decided to make the film after hearing that the hotel where his crew stayed while shooting his previous film, The House of the Devil, was haunted. Quote, well, the hotel that inspired the film is actually in the film, said West in an interview with IndieWire. The staff at the hotel believe it's haunted. The whole town believes it's haunted. So it has this kind of mystique to it, end quote. While West said that he's a skeptic and doesn't believe in ghosts, He and the cast lived in the hotel for the duration of shooting, and he did see some doors opening and closing and TVs turning on and off and mentioned that everyone who was sleeping there had very vivid dreams. Sarah Paxton, the star of the film, said that at night her door would also violently fly open. So, you know, maybe they didn't want you to tell 
your story in their in their house. In their house. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. The Conjuring spawned a whole interconnected universe of modern horror films, many of which are amongst the best in the genre. The original film released in 2013 and directed by James Wan is a stylistic and terrifying reinterpretation of a true story following paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, Patrick Wilson, and Vera Farmiga, who I think do a better job of being the Warrens than the Warrens did. I would agree with that. As they investigate the Perrones' home, where there's a supernatural presence and starts to escalate in disturbing ways. The Perrones' story deeply affected everyone involved in it, from the Warrens themselves to the cast and crew of the film. According, according to Farmiga, while shooting, she found herself waking up between 3 and 4 a.m. every night. That's the devil's hour. Yeah, that's what they say. Midnight is the witching hour. Mm -hmm. This hour has long been associated with spirits and the devil. In the case of The Conjuring, that's also when the witch character dies. Farmiga also reported finding claw marks first on her computer screen and then on her leg. While the film never halted production, the experiences were strange enough that the team behind The Conjuring 2 hired a priest to bless the set before filming started. If there's something to be learned from all this, it's that when depicting the paranormal, you can never be too safe. Yeah, yeah. So they learned nothing because another installment in the Conjuring series, Annabelle Comes Home, was another seemingly cursed production. Released in 2019, Annabelle Comes Home stars franchise newcomer McKenna Grace mm -hmm. and series veterans Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, adding another chapter to the Warren saga this time following a possessed doll that starts tormenting the couple's daughter and babysitter. In the conversation with the rap, Grace talked about her experiences shooting the film, which included doors opening and closing and shadowy figures that she spotted on location. Quote, when all of us were on the set together for the first time, the lights went out and we were all freaking out and asking, another quote, Annabelle, are you there? Unquote, Grace said. Quote, then the lights turned back on and my nose was bleeding so heavily. It happens sometimes because of allergies, but not this heavy. As soon as I left the set to get a tissue, it stopped. End quote. Mm. Production notes also state that a piano bench moved around without explanation and that while visiting the set, a journalist's watch went haywire, skipping hours ahead. So that's fun. <laughs> So it turns out these um, cursed films, they go back. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go in the way back machine yeah. to The Conqueror. It's yes. a whitewashed 1956 film with John Wayne mm -hmm. as Genghis Khan. Because who better to, to play Genghis, Genghis Khan, Khan than the, than the whitest man in America? Than the Duke. It was shot at a location downwind from a nuclear testing site, causing dozens of crew members to eventually die of cancer. Yeah. Fun facts, same thing happened to Little, Little House, House on, on the Prairie. Prairie. Yeah. We're going to fast forward just a little bit. Yeah. Apocalypse Now! Yeah. Francis Ford Coppola was tempting fate when he decided to film Apocalypse Now during monsoon season. Guys, seriously. I don't, why would you film during monsoon season? I'm going to go with that they had no idea the climate. 
They had no idea of anything going on there. And then they had everything all set up. They had everything going. And then they realized it was monsoon season. And they're like, we're here. If we don't do it, <laughs> don't you think the movie's gone. You would say, okay, all right, we've got this. We got this great rate, and we're going to do this in this place. Yeah. Hey, does anybody know what the weather conditions are in this place during this time? Because wouldn't that be important information to know, especially for like filming times and whatnot? I'm not going to profile someone, but okay, today, right. no, today's the day. An artistic person runs on the excuse that they don't have to think about this shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty, quote unquote, of being the artistic type. I can't think about this stuff. It's like bullshit. You can't. You just don't fucking want to. Hire you know, one person to handle the details. Just one. You just need one person to dot the I's and cross no, the T's. No, because it's 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 group think. If there's 20 <laughs> of us, we'll just work it all out. Nope. Not at all. You're going to do an anti-rain dance? Yeah. So... Um. Come to find out. I bet they tried. <laughs> that monsoon season was a big mistake on account of the monsoon destroyed multiple sets. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Martin Sheen suffered a heart attack during filming, yep. and Coppola was so stressed that he suffered a seizure. Again, all could have been avoided with a simple phone call. Not when you have that much money on the line. That's, you know, that's people making mistakes, but when you've got that much money on the line and that much stuff going, they're going, they're yeah. moving forward. So Apocalypse Now, released in 1979, turned out to be a masterpiece anyway, but the documentary Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse about its making is just as engrossing. I think we need to watch that. Yeah. So Fitzcarraldo, it's mm-hmm. a 1982 movie. Plagued by, here's the list, dysentery, injuries, fights among the crew. Nothing seemed to go right. The story concerns hauling a boat over a hill, which the crew literally accomplished, but not without the same nightmarish difficulty as is depicted in the film. And in the end, director Werner Herzog looked as mad and overly driven as its hero. Check out the documentary, Burden of dreams for more. Mm. The Superman curse. Yeah. Comic book movie fans may know about the Superman curse, which is said to affect multiple actors involved in Superman film. Christopher Reeve was paralyzed following a horse accident. Margo- I remember I remember when he got in that horse accident and he got paralyzed. And there was one of my friends who shall remain nameless said, that's what he gets for trying to be the man of steel, man. <laughs> you didn't think that come without a cost? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And didn't didn't his dad play Superman yeah. in uh George the television Reeves. series? George didn't Reeves. something weird happen with him too? Yeah, the fifties TV series he committed suicide. Yeah. Some say it was murder though. Yes, and I have was, heard that. That was in nineteen fifty nine. Um there was uh, the rest of the actors who played the superhero and not many stories around with them, but it seems playing Superman is, you know, they consider a minor curse uh, to them not having much luck in post Superman movies. Yeah. You know, so there's like, this is where like these curses just manifest. And I love how a curse manifests. Like yeah. it's just incredible. And um, then there's Margot Kidder 
Yep. Who played Lois Lane. And she suffered from bipolar disorder. Well, and she also had serious injuries in a car accident that left her temporary, uh, uh, temporarily paralyzed. Jesus. She also later had uh, the manic episode and nervous breakdown stemming from bipolar yep. uh, disorder, as you mentioned. And then uh, there was the crew that made um, Superman Returns. Yes. And one of them fell down a flight of stairs. <laughs> Another was mugged and physically assaulted. And a third was smashed into a glass window. <laughs> All to bring you Superman. At what point? <laughs> at what point? It is not even one of the better Superman movies. Either. No. And at what point are you like, cut, let's just not do this anymore. <laughs> Everybody stop. Stop. Just stop where you are. Stop. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> This has gone on too long. Do you think, like, you know, at that point in the movie, do you do, like, a head count, like, every 30 minutes? Just, guys, guys, we're missing three people. Just to make sure everybody's <laughs> accounted for? Where's could Tom? You, could you imagine? Has anybody seen Tom lately? Aaron's, and then you walk over and Tom's all covered with glass because he got smashed into a glass window. Roll call between each yeah. take. <laughs> all right. That's a good take. Roll call. Christopher. Here. <laughs> Jim. Yep. Margo. Here. And here. Tony. Tony. Has anyone found Tony? <laughs> Dufresne. Party of four, Dufresne. Come in, please. <laughs> Oh. Action! <laughs> Wait, there's more. Yeah. Waterworld. No, oh, Waterworld. The 1995 dystopian action film. What a shit show that was. Was under stormy weather from the beginning. Yeah. A hurricane destroyed one of the film's multi-million dollar sets, nearly killed Kevin Costner. Yeah. And in an interview with AV Club, Josh Whedon recalled rewriting the script, Seven Weeks of Hell. End quote. Still, this film's curse is tame compared to the rest of the list. Well, and, and let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And Josh Whedon had to come in there because something happened with the other person. Yeah. That did it. That was. A, and, and again, like I do second like your idea where you're just like, can we stop doing this? Because like everyone yeah. would have been fine if they never saw Waterworld. Guys. If you want to see a terrible movie, Waterworld Water is, is definitely that, up there. It, you know. That and, and Tiptoes. <laughs> yeah, Tiptoes is... Uh, so if you want to see two of the worst movies ever made that you're like, how did this even get the green light? I'm trying to think if I had to pick one to avoid the other, I'm trying to figure out which one I would pick. And I think the idea of watching Kevin Costner drink his own piss is better than going through that suffering of tiptoes. Yeah, but there were so many cringeworthy moments. Like, you can literally tell. Tiptoes is a big cringeworthy moment. Like, it's You massive. can tell that Gary Oldman is walking on his knees. Yeah. That, for me. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> it's terrible. I could watch that. It is terrible. A million times. It is absolutely like, terrible. There's a part of me that wants to watch it with, no sound. <laughs> like, just watch it. <laughs> oh, my God. 
But the biggest slap in the face in that movie is Peter Dinklage is right there. Yeah, he's right there. You have Gary Oldman playing <laughs> a little person, a little person, and Peter Dinklage is right there. <laughs> not just Peter Dinklage, like every little, like every yes. famous little person. Yes. Period was in that movie. Yes. And like, oh, so who are we going to have to star as a little person? Gary Oldman. I heard some weird shit about that movie. I heard that. The trailers to it, like the the press for it, Gary Oldman in the role of a lifetime. Of a lifetime, yeah. You would think they were making... The best, and even Peter Dinklage is saying that the movie that they all saw before the release, yeah, was not the movie that was released. There's a lot of weird stories with that, but I'm not buying it. I think no. what happened was is it was made, yeah. and then they saw it and they were like, "Oh, oh my, my god, god, we made a shit sandwich." And what's and, funny is like if you go on their wikis, yeah, like. McConaughey doesn't talk about oh, it. Oh, none Kate of them. Blanchett doesn't talk yeah, about it. It's not Kate Blanchett. Uh, Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nobody talks about it. No. No one. No one utters a word about nope. that movie. They don't even. I heard there was actually an effort to get it off, like off, like they were getting all the copies off the they shelf. They succeeded and, for a very long time until the internet happened. Yeah. You know. And what's funny <laughs> is. How did this get made was talking about this movie. Yeah. Like they had the voiceovers and Paul Shear kept saying, I keep hearing about this movie and about how bad it is. Yeah. And he's like, and we can't find it anywhere. Yeah. And then finally what was happening is they would pick their movie and Amazon Prime would put the, how did this get made movie yeah. on Amazon Prime so you could watch it. And someone who was putting the movies on, let How Did This Get Made know that Tiptoes was on there. And then they did the episode on it, yeah, and that's yeah. how we found it. No, that's it, it is easily the worst movie I've ever seen. Yes. And the great fodder is reading about how it was made, what it was yes. done. Because apparently Gary Oldman was making like this elk stew or something like that. And that like was that. the only thing they were allowed to eat. And yeah, he made everyone eat it because it harvested the, your your animal spirit or something like that. Yeah, he was craft services. Oh my God. <laughs> you think then at that moment you're in the wrong movie and this movie's going the wrong direction? No, no, no. still going. No. We're going to yeah. still do this. I'm a creative person. I don't look at the details. You know. <laughs> yeah. The first I guarantee you there were producers on that movie who are detail people who are oh. like, how do we pay a lot of I this? I bet there is. How do we pay a lot of this? The real technical people like the grips and, yeah. and like the cameramen, they must have been going out they for were drinks. They laughing hysterically. They must have been going out for drinks every night being like, holy shit. What is tomorrow going to bring? <laughs> exactly. You know? And then just that rotation yep. every day. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. I swear, if I was a talk show host. And I had any of these people on McConaughey. Oh yeah, Oldman. I'd be talking Dinklage, about it every time. Oh no, I would just slip it in. I'd be talking. You know, tell me about one of your greatest moments and blah blah blah. Just get right into it. And I'd be like, you know, it's almost kind of like tiptoes. 
Yeah. And then just hear the silence. The crickets. I swear to God, you'd probably hear a pin drop. How'd you hear about that? <laughs> we're not going to talk. Hear about it? Excuse me. I watched it. Excuse me. We're not going to talk about that now. <laughs> it's written in my rider for this interview. Unreal. So the Lord of the Rings, the two towers. Yeah. So it turns out Middle Earth, not such a cool place to be in 2002. <laughs> DVD interviews revealed that multiple actors and stuntmen suffered injuries while shooting the film's elaborate fight sequences. The worst was Vigo Mortensen, who broke his toe and chipped his tooth while filming. Yeah. Poor no, Vigo. No, you know, and that's where I sit there and, like, I get why they get paid a lot at times. Like, yes. Like, have you ever, um, have you ever heard um, Russell Crowe talk about all the injuries he had doing the gladiator. Yes, I have. Like he got beat to shit he in did. that movie. He did. And uh and I one thing that I never knew cuz I love the gladiator. I love the whole story. I, I love loved the whole, that movie. You know, I could watch that over mm -hmm. and over and over mm -hmm. again. And uh then I find out after watching it repetitive times during when it came out. Yeah. Then I found out that like they shot that all off the cuff. Yeah. Like they didn't have it really kind of scoped out or planned or anything like that. And they just kind of went through and won it. But yeah, he got beat up to shit, like broken bones and just uh, a bunch of bunch of stuff. Wow. Yeah. So I can kind of get to a certain degree why they get paid a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I don't disagree with that. And also, I mean, they generate a lot of money. Of course, if they're the draw, right, they're yes. going to make money with it. But yeah, just some of the physical stuff that... Mm -hmm they they do mm -hmm. and the and the price that they pay for it yeah you know it's nuts yeah i remember reading a thing on uh because it was hu way huge into the matrix mm -hmm. and uh i was reading an interview with um keanu reeves where he was talking about in the second matrix mm -hmm. there's that first fight scene where they're all kind of around the table and there's someone at the door and it's those agents mm -hmm. and he does that fight scene with them he said there was more movements in that single fight scene than the whole entire first movie. Yep. And then, like, that whole second movie was just full of fight scenes. Yeah. But, like, that whole first one. Yeah. And it's just, like, the dedication in that. I mean, Keanu Reeves is a machine with that stuff, but. Oh, the it's, kindest, nicest man in Hollywood. <laughs> he is, boy. That He's, Keanu. He's the he uh, he's the pride of Hollywood. You he know? really truly yeah. is. I like that meme where they said, uh, you know, Brendan Fraser and uh, Keanu Reeves could make a movie called Movie, and, and everybody would, would go to watch mm -hmm. it. <laughs> I'm guilty there. I would, I would watch, watch the shit out of that. Yeah, yeah. So, did you hear about this one? A took. Yeah. A T U K. Yeah, yeah. It's a movie so cursed that it's never been made. Yeah. It's based on a 1963 Mordecai Richler novel about an Eskimo in New York and had four different men attached to play the lead while in development hell through the 70s and 80s. John Belushi, yep. Sam Kinison, yep. John Candy, and Chris Farley. Chris Farley, yeah. All four died shortly after entering negotiations to be in the film. Yeah, just like the attempt to make yeah. the movie. and yeah, Just by entering into the negotiations, yeah, yeah. they died. Yep. The no. fuck? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. And there's, like, this saying where they say everywhere, they're just like, yeah, just don't even get involved with it. That's where these curses become, like, and crazy. sorry. 
why are white men playing an Eskimo? <laughs> I think at the end of the day, if they chose an Eskimo or at least someone who was <laughs> native, they might stand a chance to get their movie made. Oh, just yeah. saying. Yeah. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe check Noah when you're going to work on a location, you know, just find out or just Google yeah. like, oh, we're going to film in Kuala Lumpur. Let's check out their weather, <laughs> you know, so just Google it and Again. it'll tell you their weather. And Again. you could be like, well, we probably shouldn't film December through April because Shit hits the fan. Yeah, but you got to understand, like, you were around that era. It mm-hmm. was wing it. Mm-hmm. You didn't have all this great stuff for weather. You didn't have the weather app on your phone and check out, like, you had three. Which is even worse. No, I'm just saying you had three people <laughs> yeah. doing the weather in the yeah. morning, in the afternoon, yeah. and at six and at night, four times. Back to you, Bob, to... for the weather. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it in that regard. Did you hear about the Passion of the Christ? What happened the weird the shit that happened the there. So uh, the dude that played Jesus mm-hmm. was struck by lightning, dislocated his shoulder. He got pneumonia and a lung infection. And he had these really just kind of like crazy headaches. And here's the crazy thing. He wasn't the only one to be struck by lightning on this set. <laughs> How so many? An assistant was also struck. Okay. And that was for the second time in his life. <laughs> Which is like the odds on that are fucking astronomical. Yeah. I hope he played the lottery. It's crazy. <laughs> anytime, anytime I hear someone that gets like uh, repetitive strikes by lightning, I think of the great outdoors where that guy has the metal thing in his yeah, head and it's like got got the, struck. He's with, got the ra- He's got like the, the white the stripe. Scre- yeah. Streak through his yeah. Hair. They're like, geez, that's some hair you got there. He's like, ah, oh, he's been struck seven times by seven, seven, seventy-seven times. It's like, oh my god, it's great. That's what I think of every time I hear that. Oh, it's good times. Yeah. What else you got over there? I don't know. I think. I think that's the things. The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. You don't. You don't want to talk. Well, (laughs) we can. We'll talk about it. So one of the actors uh, died in the film. Yeah. Ended up dying shortly after in real life. Yeah. Actually, Uh, there was a set fire destroyed. Yep. uh, The in the home they were all shooting in, Um, all the rooms were turned to ash except, or wait, no, wrong. That was. That was I'm like, wait, that's not the Wizard of Oz. No. So Jack uh, Haley uh, was called in to play the Tin Man. Yes. But only after the original actor was hospitalized for being severely allergic to the aluminum dust yep. that they used to uh, turn his skin silver. Yep. Uh, and then the makeup was reconfigured, but it still caused an eye infection for the second actor. Yep. And then Margaret Hamilton, who played the Wicked Witch of the West, was severely burned yep. on set in a pyrotechnic accident. Now, wasn't there something, like, there's something, there's a scene in there where it shows somebody, like, they hung themselves? Yes. Yeah. It was one of the little people hung themselves, and it's And the, they're in the movie. You can see it in 
the old. No, that's what I'm saying. The it's old not. versions that were on TV. So if you recorded it yeah from television because all the dvd and blu-ray ones they cleaned it all up it's been but the old one out yeah it was when they were meeting up with the tin man and they're dancing around you can see the ostriches yeah and in the background he's in the way back and it's as they're off to meet the wizard he's literally hanging in the trees yeah between two trees we were in Fun fact, Spanish <laughs> class, because that's when you find out stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. then because I had taped it off of television, I think it was CBS that did it every year. I taped it and I went and I watched it and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. No, it it's there. Yeah. It's, it's not like way up in there because like that's it right there. It's subtle. Like you have yeah. to know it's there. Yeah. But, yeah, you think about it. All those decades yep. that that movie was playing. And they saw him when they were in the middle of the scene. Mm-hmm. But nobody, because it was in the middle of the scene. Yeah. So they couldn't well, get, they didn't get to him until after and that's, the scene, you know, cut and scene. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, plus all that's so expensive then, like, yeah. to do that stuff. Yeah. But. And that was a groundbreaking movie at the time. Yes. They were they were breaking new ground, Copernicus. Well, and you know what? Talk about a movie that still stands and oh, still I holds up. I love that up. movie. Like I remember like for the first time for us watching the Blu-ray cuz mm-hmm. I got that collection set and all yep. that. And they had the Blu-ray where it was all And I broke your heart and, because I started to wear the Oh, I knew you were going to do the that. The watch. Yeah. I knew you were going to do that. But that's why I got it. I loved the shit out of that watch, I too. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I still have it. I didn't yeah. want to ruin the band. If I could get a replacement band for you it, get a new band for I it. would wear the shit out of that watch. Yeah, look at a new band for it. But I remember watching, like, seeing the checks on, like, the dress and... Oh, yeah. Like, all the you like, glitter on the... You can see how plastic those flowers are yeah, in but, Munchkin land. But, like, the glitter on the corn yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, like... Yeah. That's, that's something where, like, I was so thankful they went over the top on something. But that was... The big deal that many people forget about was that whole transition to color. To color. Yeah. Like movies weren't in color. No, they were black and white. And the genius, you think mm-hmm. about it, of filming it in black and white. Yes. And getting that whole bit in black and white. And then, like, bang, throw this color out. That was the... Like, I can't even imagine being in that time era yeah. of, like, seeing color for the first time in movies. Like, that just... The first time we watched it, I was like, this is in black and white. And my mom's like, wait. Give it time. And then when she opens the door, yeah, I was like, oh, and my yeah. mom goes, see, we'll have to watch that again. Yeah. I, we haven't watched that. No, in a we while. haven't. It's been a and long I remember I used to watch time. it. That was a cool thing of kind of having TV and I yeah. mean, I'm not going back to TV ever again. No, but there but were certain like, things. There were certain count things on. you watched yep. seasonally or yep. every year, you know, and Wizard of Oz was one of them. Wasn't it know. Thanksgiving? I think. Yeah. And like Something Sound of like Music that. was around mm, close. Yeah. It's that, like that came every Christmas that was on it a certain every time. Every Christmas on TV I'd watch a wonderful life. Yep. 
you know. Yep. And and I'd watch that mm-hmm. all the time. I'd maybe watch it like two, three times. They would do that. Miracle, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Street. I remember watching. Uh, that. Yes, Virginia. There is a Santa Claus. Yeah. They would do that one too. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's stuff. And then that, every who down in Whoville, yeah. the tall and the small. But like cutting the cord fifteen years ago. Yeah. That's all stuff that just all those rituals kind of. Mm-hmm. Went the wayside unless we're at someone's house that has TV. But here's the thing, but we have we all have those all, movies, we so we can just shit. create. Yeah, we watch this every year yeah. at this time. So here's my question with you. All right, do you think these curses are real? What makes a curse real mm-hmm. is belief in it. So if yeah. you think. It probably starts out with something innocuous, like something shitty happens that's just a coincidence. Let's first get out of the way that movies do a lot of this to create hype around the movie. Correct. So you don't know how much of this is true. Correct. So let's get that big variable right out of the way. Because they do say that. Yes. Most of these things that you heard most likely weren't true. Right. Because they just got to throw some sort of hype. Yeah, that it's a happened. way to get it's a way to get butts in the seats. Yeah, which yeah. at the end of the day is they live and die by the butts in the seats. Yeah, and just get draw towards. Yep, it. get hype, get mm-hmm. people talking. You know, so outside of that, yeah, you think it's do you think it's manifestation more than anything? It could be a huge tulpa effect. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think it's a total because again, you're giving it life by believing in it. Yeah. Oh my God, we really are cursed. Oh yeah. my God, th- th- could this be more cursed? Yeah. And the more you spiral, the worse it gets. And that's where I read something before doing this. Okay. And it was an overall general sense. It was a devotion thing on a mm-hmm. like a Bible app that okay. I read, and uh, and there was a good good saying with it, and and I believe this in a, in a huge way. But basically, like, let's see, where where was it? Yeah, so basically something negative happens. And because of an inability to understand or process the situation, you can develop a belief or judgment that it's just simply untrue. Yes. But in doing that, you're compounding words, beliefs, and judgments that begin to create the reality that you experience. Yes. And you can do this both positively and negatively. Correct. I believe this entirely. Yes. You can manifest good things and you can manifest yeah. terrible things. But I think it all results, like I where I struggled with is why? Like, mm-hmm. how do you get to the manifestation? Mm-hmm. And that statement there of your inability to understand or process the situation develops this belief or judgment that is untrue. Yeah. You know, you got ghosts in your blood, so we should probably cut you open and well, no, you you just, no, it's not the ghosts in your blood. It's you're sick, Yeah, but you don't know why you're sick. It's the ghosts in your blood. Yeah. So you've got to create something Mm -hmm. to fit in there. And we've talked about this at length with things like there's this, you should probably do cocaine or heroin because that's what they gave you. <laughs> well, true. But we were talking about this like with Bigfoot and yeah. stuff. Like I believe the statements of Bigfoot and I'm unwavering on this. The yes. Sasquatch sightings, you can see them a mile away where they're like, I don't know what I saw, but I saw it. 
And when I saw it, I froze because I didn't know what to do. And we talk about that with alien sightings and yes. abductions. Like, Turns out I've been listening to the Let's Never Meet podcast. Yeah. And it's people telling their true near miss yeah. tales. Yeah. And there's so many times that when people are confronted by danger, just just generic danger, mm-hmm. they freeze. Well, yeah, and that's where I'm getting at. It's like you don't even know if it's danger. Yeah. You just don't know what yeah. it is. Yeah. And that's a lockup in your mm-hmm. brain. Like psychology, you know, psychology meets you halfway in that regard of saying, yeah, this is something in your card catalog yeah. that is unidentifiable. They, like you don't know how to react. So you sit there like your your brain doesn't know what to do because ever since you were a kid, You've been exposed to this, you know, like you hear a little crackle in the woods. That's a tree. That's a leaf. Mm-hmm. That's all these little things. Mm-hmm. And your brain processes all this stuff. And it gives you assurances on things. Yeah. Or it gives you caution on things. Yes. And it just classifies all of this stuff in a very intricate way. Right. Then all of a sudden you see something that you've never seen before. Yeah. And your brain doesn't know what to do. It doesn't, doesn't know how to process it. Doesn't it doesn't know whether you should feel safe. It doesn't know because it hasn't experienced this specific thing yet. So you know how we were taught that you have that fight fight or flight response? Yeah. They're adding a third one to it, of which course. is the fight, the flight, and fawn, which is where you just like deer in a headlight. Yeah. And, See, I and disag- you know what? I disagree with that. I think you're fight or flight because, again, your brain has seen this or it's made this association mm-hmm. next to it. But like I said, if if you threw an like if an alien came walking in here, you and I would say all day long, I would do this, I would do that. But if an alien was right there, I said turn around. I I probably wouldn't even be able to say turn around. I'd be like, yeah, just pointing with my mouth open, mm-hmm. you know, just drop jawed because. That's what I'm saying. Like your brain doesn't even know how to fight or flight that yet. It doesn't know how to categorize it. Which I think would fall in the fawn. You're the deer in the headlight because you don't know what it is. Yeah. You can't process it. No, but I'm And I think that's accurate. No, but I'm saying I think that's a step before. You know. Maybe like like the, I don't know. Like the froze part, the froze part, I think is a result of you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. The fight or flight stuff, you're like, yeah, all right, I already know that's bad. Mm-hmm. And and there's things that relate to it, like either claws or something mm-hmm. like that, or just some sort of demeanor that someone has. I mean, I could walk into a room, I do have the gift for this, where I know somebody's trouble or not, like, right away. Yeah, I can sniff that. I can sniff a bad situation from a mile away. Mm-hmm. I know there's times I just say, I'm like, we need to get out of here. Yeah, We need to leave, yeah. you know. And then you hear, man, shit went down. It's like, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> but there's, Yeah, we missed that. Yeah, no, and I get what you're saying, but like that, yeah, I think that whole bit of the freezing thing is just, yeah, you just don't know how to process that. Yeah. And I think that goes with curses too. So do you think cars are just great big UFOs to deer and that's why they just stand in the road like, the fuck is that? It, it could be a number of things, but. You know, I mean, I'd I th- like to, I'd like to think I'm an alien to deers. Well, I mean, in a sense, you we are. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I mean, I think what that is is their eyesight. I'm yeah. not I'm not a biologist or anything like that, but 
yeah, I think that has to do with their eyesight and the brightness and they can't see. Mm -hmm. So they just stop. To me, that makes more sense. Maybe. You know, because I mean, when you're driving down the road and it's daytime, they Mm -hmm. don't stare at you then. No. They fucking run. And that's where I think it's a vision thing more than anything. I think the light is so bright that they just can't see anything. And they're just like, well, I'm going to stop. I can't see. Because you'd be the same way, too, if you couldn't see. You know, you just freeze. Again, you're seeing something that you don't have in your your memory bank, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And you glitch, you know. And that's that's where I kind of wonder, are we these, like, uh, bio-robots at Maybe. times, you know, I, I often you joke that, that I, uh, I power down, you know, <laughs> and I mean, it's not wrong. No. Yeah. You don't always power down though. No. You know, which, you know, makes, uh, makes me more human. Makes you less, less, less robot, less suspect, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, though, if aliens were to come in, I think this is like the a plausible reality because there's those weird stories. I want to talk about them sometime mm-hmm. where like the government now is talking about UFOs yeah. being real. Like they're more and more starting to come out. I love the retired the Air Force it, guys you know. are like, there's some shit in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. What was weird about this recent conversation they were having is they've basically said that like Russia and China have... They claim they've lost pilots. Yes. They've lost craft. They've and lost pilots. craft. They've yeah. lost pilots. So now the whole thing is, is obviously the states have had some stories like that. No, from we lost third ours hand. in the Bermuda Triangle. No, but what I'm getting at is it's like <laughs> their stories are ours that have leaked out. But like, yeah. you know, so that in turn makes you really suspicious because, okay, Russia's saying they're not doing it. Yeah, You know, or that's the other part of the story is Russia saying like, yeah, we don't have any technology that's even close to what these crafts are doing. Right. Like they go up, they go yeah. down, they defy yeah. physics, they go into the water, yeah. they come out of the water, you know. They're in the ocean. No, I, and I don't mean, know how many times I you and, have to You and see I this. say this all the time. It's like they're here already. Yeah, they've been here the whole time, like the whole time. Comet my ass. The only thing that makes sense. Asteroid my ass killing the dinosaurs. They were probably like, oh, we aren't getting anywhere with these guys. No, and that's where I, reset. if you're going to believe in the whole physical thing about it, I believe in the portal. Yeah. Because it's impossible for them to fly. Like, the the closest thing to us is like 600,000 light years away. I mean, it's just, it's insane amount of distance that yeah. people, it's like trying to talk to someone who doesn't get math and tell them what a trillion dollars is. Yeah. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. And, and basically, yeah, I, th- I believe in the portal bit mm-hmm. that I totally believe, but I say this as a fact, everything here is going to be business as usual until they show up. And then yeah, until they're like, you know ch- what? We're done here. Well, not yeah. even just we're done here. Like, hey. No, I mean, we're done here and that we're not hiding anymore. Y- hey. Yeah, no, it's just we're we're arrived yeah. and we're, we're going to coexist with you or whatever. Everything changes there. Mm-hmm. You know, everything changes. Yeah. So, yeah. Aside from a few alien stories, that's cursed movies. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I don't think they're cursed. 
I don't either. I don't think any of them are. No. I think it's all physical manifestations. Yeah. Things like that. It's just yeah. bad coincidences. It's, you know? Well, bad a, things happen to people. To to a certain degree. I However. You know? Uh, I mean, if you go and film in monsoon season. That's on you. And you got metal rigging all over, you might get that's struck by you. lightning. That's on you. You might get struck by lightning. Just saying. That's not a curse. Yeah. That's yeah. on you. So, um, what do we got next week? Plagues. Plagues. Yeah. Yes. We got the big one. Good old fashioned plagues. Yeah. That's what we're rolling into. Yeah. So, like for those of you that are like, I hope you don't talk. No, we're no, not talking about. No, it. we're talking about old the plagues. Bubonic plague. Yeah. Yeah. And the, some not so well known plagues. Yeah, we'll that save. That. I think are. Pretty freaking interesting. We'll save that. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going old plague here. Yeah. We're going we're mm-hmm. going to our roots. Yeah. With the funny mass and all that shit. Oh yeah. I want to be a plague doctor so bad. We you have can to be one anytime you want. I know, that's true. You're old enough. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I'm gonna get the herbs to put in the bottom of my uh plague doctor mask. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, so I don't have to smell the yeah. dead and decaying bodies. So so episode, uh, that makes episode 90, I think will be. Yeah, episode 90, Plagues. We're approaching a hunter. I'm getting there, yeah. So rule number one. No Ouija boards. Number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Six. No apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe map the ocean. Seven. Don't let the black-eyed children in. Don't no. talk to them. Don't look at them. Don't think about them. Yeah. And my favorite Last one. Last but not least. Just fucking listen. Yeah. Yeah. Oy vey. Please. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to thank again uh, meeting up Agent Paranormal. The Walk of the Dead, Wood Creek Hollow, and KO Industries. And KO Industries. We'll uh, post your stuff on our, our group and we'll promote you through. Yep. For the Central New York yep, folks yep, that yep. can, uh, looking for something to do uh, coming up in Halloween. For you local yokels, you can go and check it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So till then, have a wonderful day, a lovely week. And make good choices. Take care.